Hey family, thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We work incredibly hard to identify guests who will help you move forward on your healing journey. So if you are blessed by today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us to reach more people and get this important message of healing out to the world. Thank you in advance for your support and enjoy today's episode. Hey family, it's your sister here, Jocelyn, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we hope it's not your last time. We are here as a community to support you, to strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and help you to discover a sense of community as you find out that you're not alone in this walk. There are people who want to accompany you on your healing journey and have gone through similar paths and stories as you. And so we bring people on the show from different walks of life from all over the world uh, to share their testimony of hope and healing. And in addition to that, we also have a number of services that are available to you through our website. We offer trauma healing groups, which are essentially Bible studies to help you to heal from trauma. And we also have a team of Christian counselors who specialize in Bible-based trauma-informed care and grief counseling, who are eager to walk alongside of you. All these resources and more, again, are available at our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Now today, we are blessed to have a very special guest join us for the show. We have Dr. Winford Winford Neely is the senior pastor of Judson Baptist Church of Oak Park and the vice president and dean of Moody Theological Seminary and Graduate School. I hear so many great things about him from my producer. I know he's a lover of the people and he he leads from a place of transparency and authenticity, which is so important for a leader of a church. And so we are so excited to have you on the show, Dr. Neely. Welcome. Well, uh, thank you, Jocelyn, for having me. I am honored to be here with you this morning. Thank you so much. I I look forward to really hearing more about your story and and maybe we can start there with you just giving a little background about yourself and how did you end up eventually getting into the role of being a pastor and working at Moody? Kind of tell us about your story. Well, I will keep it short. <laughs> okay. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. So I'm a south side of Chicago is is in my my social and cultural DNA. I think I probably have internalized the Chicago skyline. So I'm I'm from Chicago. My my parents, my mother and dad were from the South, Mississippi. And my mother uh, took me to church when I was a kid, would read the Bible to me from time to time, share Bible stories with me. I don't think she understood at the time that those small efforts on her part were having a massive, full-scale revolution in my heart and mind. God was speaking to me in profound ways. Now, I didn't have the experience at the time. I didn't know the scriptures at the time. Indeed, I didn't even know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior at the time to be able to articulate uh, clearly what was happening. But clearly, God was speaking to my heart, to my mind, and, and, and to my life. I never knew just how a person can come into a relationship with God. Uh, I left um, Chicago when I was 18. 
I joined the United States Army. I served in the military for three years. And it was while I was in the military that I uh, received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I was led to Jesus by a preacher by the name of Henry T. Plummer, who is with the Lord now. Third grade education, this, this, a dishwasher on the base at Fort Sam Houston, Texas. He led me to Jesus. Uh, I was 19 years old. The Lord just wonderfully transformed my life, filled my heart with joy. I'll never forget the night when I bowed my head and said to him, Lord, I believe your son Jesus died on the cross for me. I opened up my heart. I received your son Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I, I turned my life, all of it, over to you. And as I have said on numerous occasions, I was utterly surprised by what happened next. Uh, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. It was, it was an explosion of quiet joy within the depths of my spirit as I sensed the smile of God. You know, it's just hard for me to capture the moment, but I shed tears of joy for the first time in my, my, my 19-year-old life. I had come home for the first time uh, when I trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I will never, ever forget the moment for all eternity. I will never forget it when I first came to know God in personal experience. That's beautiful. It's, it's, when you think about that moment when your life is transformed in such a way, it is something that you'll never forget. And it can happen anywhere. It could happen in a grocery store. It can happen. That happened for me in a small group setting. And it's just, it's one of those things that's so special because it's really a born again moment, right? Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. and, and so for you, just fast forwarding, did you, mm -hmm. did you ever think that you'd be a pastor? <laughs> like, was that? <laughs> Well, Something. it's it certainly was not in my on my wife's mind because <laughs> well, I've been married for forty five years. Praise God! Yeah, yeah, we have four adult children, uh, but you know we we were deeply committed to Jesus. But this whole thing of full time ministry uh, was well, I mean, it just was wasn't a, a part of the plan. But still, nonetheless, when I trusted Christ at 19, a couple of weeks later, I had a deep sense that God wanted me to preach. In fact, I started preaching two weeks after I trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Two weeks I was in the pulpit. I, I was alive when I was doing it. Um, you know, I think it was um, the runner, the Scottish runner. I, his name escapes me now, but he would say, I feel the pleasure of God when I run. And I feel the pleasure of God when I preach. And I feel the pleasure, pleasure of God when I care for his people. I was on a call last night just calling several members of Judson Baptist Church just to let them know that we're caring for them in the pandemic. And I had such a sense of fulfillment in just doing that. I mean, if I was fulfilled in doing it. Yeah. And then for them to end the phone call by saying, thank you, Pastor, for the call. This is one of the highlights of my life. It's it's a calling. It's it, and when you're walking in purpose, it does fill mm -hmm. you up like that. You know that this is your assignment here. And yeah. I love hearing about your passion. And one of the reasons why, uh, one of the many reasons why we wanted to have you as a guest on the show is because my producer Hannah mentioned that you have led from a place of authenticity. 
about mm-hmm. your story, about the importance of seeking even counseling and support as a pastor and just being honest about the importance of that, right? And so mm-hmm. I would like for us to dive into that about how you've why do you made a decision, first of all, to lead from a place of authenticity? Because sometimes uh, pastors have a hard time sharing some of the struggles, uh, the sensitive pieces of their life, but you chose differently. Uh, so I would love to hear more about that. Well, you know, I, I see it in scripture for starters. On his way to the cross, Jesus, in, in a moment of great vulnerability, said to his own disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. I mean, so Jesus himself disclosed what he was going through at the time. You know, he says to his disciples, uh, could you not watch with me one hour? And of course, in Second Corinthians, Paul bears his, really wears his heart on his sleeve and is really, really open about what he is going through. I think of all of the the lament psalms in scripture where the psalmist through the laments teaches us how to be honest with God. So my sense is that appropriate self-disclosure, I say appropriate self-disclosure is actually helpful and beneficial and pastoral. and helps people understand that I, as their pastor, have... Um, issues, that I have struggles, that I have things that I have to work through, that I have spiritual battles, deep, intense spiritual battles. Indeed, I have was was in prayer this morning and, you know, just working through some things in, in terms of my own sense of value and calling. And people would think that I would not even have those kind of issues. And and don't misunderstand me when I say this, Jocelyn, to you and your listeners, but here I am. I'm a dean of a seminary. I'm a pastor of an historic uh, church in in Oak Park. I have two doctorates. I've been married 45 years. I got kids. And you would think that I, my life, people would look at me but not think that I would not have any struggles, but I too struggle with that sense of value, with that sense of um, of, of, of does my life really, really count? And I was having that conversation with God just this morning. And, um, you know, and he, he encourages, he gives strength and lets me know that I, that I, Winfrey, that I, I love you. I care about you. I, I've got you. I'm sustaining you. I'm keeping you. I'm good. I'm wise. I've chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. I've got your back. And what happens is when I let people know, let them into my life, and they are able to understand that I, you know, have questions and concerns and struggles too, they take a deep, deep breath. (sighs) Okay, I'm actually okay. I'm all right. If the pastor has these kinds of experiences, it doesn't mean that I'm going, that, that 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 I'm off base or that, that there's something wrong with me when I'm struggling, uh, because God meets us at the place of struggle. He meets us there and gives us grace and help and strength. And I want to be able to share that with people so that they can find the strategies and vehicles to make progress in their walk with God. It really does make a difference when you hear from your pastor. 
I think uh, people mistakenly look at their pastor as su superhuman, if you will, superhuman. I can't get it out, but you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, I do. Sure. <laughs> and it's it's one of the things that it it's a disservice when the pastor pretends to be that. We we all carry a cross. <laughs> we all have struggles. And I love what you said in terms of being wise about what you share. I mean, you, you don't bleed on the congregation, but there, right. there's wisdom and discernment in what you do share that can be actually helpful mm -hmm. so that they, they know that uh, they can be encouraged too if the pastor is also struggling but turning to Christ for for their strength. Sure. Well, you know, and again, my wife and I have been have been married 45 years. And uh, we have we have been in counseling. And you know, I'm very open about that. We've been in counseling and it's literally saved my marriage because it gave me tools. You know, I I'm a man. You know, I so I, I love my wife, Stephanie. I really do. But I'm not thinking that she's a woman and thinks like a woman. She doesn't think the way that I think. And boy, talk about a wake-up call. I get in here and I learn that I have to continue to date my wife for the rest of our marriage. Now, no one told me that. No one said to me, now, Winfred, everything that you did to win her, you got to keep doing for the rest of your married they life. They did give you that memo, huh, when you signed did, up for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, no, I didn't. And I don't say that. In a disparaging kind of way, but I say that to highlight that it was something that I, you know, I didn't know. Nobody explained that to me, you know. So we we try to do things together, even to this day. And I will never forget something that the counselor told to me and Stephanie and me in 1985. When you go on a date, do not talk about your kids. Do not talk about your ministry. Build into your marriage. That was some of the best counsel that I've received in my life. And we and so we started doing that. But you know what? It felt strange initially. I thought to myself, wow, we are we are in a, something of a pickle here. But the only thing that I can talk to my wife about is ministering the kids. They in other words, it was the counseling that provided me with the tools that I needed to have a more effective marriage. And I remember when I was uh pastoring another church some years ago, I mentioned in a sermon that there is there is no scandal in seeking help. There's no stigma in getting counseling. Boy, I tell you, parishioners were pounding at my door for weeks after that sermon, coming in, getting help. You know, and I think it, what another one of the things it does is give God's people permission to seek help, uh, especially when couples get in a fix and they, they can't get out of it to seek help from those who have the skills to help you navigate uh, those difficult places. So important. I think there is a stigma that needs to be broken, not just for the parishioners, but also for pastors. Mm -hmm. And I, I would really love for you to speak to any uh, leader in ministry right now or a pastor of a church around breaking that stigma around for their church and for themselves if they need additional assistance or if they feel like they're carrying too much weight on their own. No, I, I think that's so very, very important for ministry leaders to get the help that they need. Now, that can be done in a number of ways. It can be done through uh, close friends and mentors who really, really get it. It could be through one-on-one um, -on -one counseling. It could be through coaching. It could be through a, a, a number of vehicles. 
but uh, one of the things that I have learned uh, about being a pastor and a um, a leader in general and dean of a seminary is that you know you you sometimes you make a decision and the decision may not be the best decision. It impacts a lot of people. You have not thought through all of the ramifications. The decision itself may have been a good one, but the timing was bad, and all of the other pieces are uh, needed. Uh, in terms of follow-through coming out of that decision, we're not taking into consideration. And the next thing you know, the whole thing is snowballing. You find yourself up at night. You can't sleep. The weight of the world is on you. Well, at that point, you can actually feel like you're losing your mind. Even Christians in leadership, you can feel like you're losing your mind, that you really, really are getting ready to lose it. Well, you know, in those kinds of circumstances, this is where you have to, you've got to talk to people. You've got to talk to mentors. You may need to talk with um, a professional therapist who understands the word of God and uh, who can help you navigate that and realize, okay, it's a decision that has some implications, some ramifications that may have gone south. You will, you will be okay. You'll get through this by the grace of God. You need somebody to tell you to go to bed. Uh, just to make sure that you that you stay rested, and I, I I try to encourage ministry persons in particular to make sure that they they get the rest that they need, that they eat well, that they exercise, so some of some of these basic things uh, that they need in order to keep themselves from spiraling into a bad place. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion today since the pandemic hit about mental health. And uh, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because the mental health of, of ministry leaders is something that needs to be um, taken into consideration. And by the grace of God, the Lord can help you. And, you know, because sometimes I, I pre in some of my sermons, I say to my congregation, it's only by the grace of God that you have not gone crazy. Ooh, so true. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask a follow-up question to what you're asking, or at least just bring this into the conversation, because mm -hmm. the, the decision not to make your mental health and your own personal care priority, at, mm -hmm. at some point it can catch up to you in a way that you are not prepared for, um, whether it's physical ramifications, whether it's breakdowns. We've heard tragic stories of pastors uh, who've ended their life and no one knew, no one expected that, right? And so it's something where this is something that's incredibly urgent. And I, I, I don't know if pastors even feel like they have the space seeing that we're in a pandemic. There's so much pressures that we're facing or pastors facing right now, but in that, I guess, what would you have to say to that pastor right now who's like, I, I, I can't stop. I can't take a break. They don't even feel like they have the space to to care for their mental health. Uh, I would say to them, well, you're going to have to make space. This is a priority. You need to you know, talk to your church, talk to your congregation and let them know that, you know, you need to be away. That's not difficult to do. You can have some visiting preachers come in for two or three weeks. You can have some of the deacons or deaconesses preach or some of the other ministers and reverends on staff to cover the pulpit while you're away. I mean, it's not that difficult. I think fundamentally it's releasing and, and trusting others, trusting God that the people he's placed around you 
can, uh, you know, keep the ship afloat while you take some time away. But what was interesting, uh, at our Founders Week conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, the opening plenary was opened uh, by Reverend James Meeks, uh, a senior pastor of Salem Baptist Church, one of the trustees of Moody Bible Institute. And he was preaching on Psalm 3, and he talks about that one of the things that David's enemies said to him is that there is no deliverance for him in God. And, and then Pastor Meek said something that I think every person needs to hear. There is always help for you in God. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter how depressed you are, even when you think you're on the brink of, of, of losing it, there's always help for you in God. There was a um, very prominent woman, fairly young, I think jumped off of, jumped out of a building and took a life. It was all in the news recently. And, and Pastor Meek said, I wish I could have been there with her to put just to look at her, look at her and say to her, there's help for you in God. That's something that we need to uh, we need to hold on to. Because I think as we spiral out of, of what we called, uh, I, I guess, normal mental health equilibrium into these bad places, even there, we need to remember that there is help for us in God. I had a student who came to me some some years ago. I mean, he was messed up. He came, oh, Dr. Neely, oh, Dr. Neely, I can't take it, I can't take it. Oh, Dr. Neely, I can't take it. And he just, he was just, 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 just this flood of anxiety and depression and worry and everything else poured out of him in my office. And I looked at him and I said to him, I said, young man, how much sleep do you get at night? Who oh, about three hours? What what are you what are you eating? A lot of pizza and Dunkin' and Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kremes. <laughs> and I told him, I said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to take some cuts from your classes that he could legitimately take. And I need you to go back to the residence hall and go to bed. I need you to have some a good meal with some 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 protein and some vegetables. And I need you to get eight hours, eight to nine to 10 hours of sleep for the next several nights and come back and see me in about four days. That young man did that and came back to see me in four days. You would have thought he was risen from among the dead because a lot of this stuff, a lot of this is just diet. It's rest because this is the way that God wired us. What I find interesting, on one occasion, Jesus raises the little girl from among the dead. And after he raises the girl, you know what Jesus says? Give her something to eat. I thought this is quite fascinating to me that the Lord raises this girl back to life, but he's also concerned about her physicality and, and everything that she needs to continue to thrive in life. In other words, the Lord's approaches to these things are holistic and he's concerned that he's concerned about the whole person. So again, I would say to a person, remember there is um, deliverance for you in God always. Yes, and amen to that. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you're pointing out that God cares about the whole being. The spiritual piece yeah. is essential, yes. But the body, if your your body's wasting away, and in the mm -hmm. fact that our body, if we're eating like crap, <laughs> if we're not getting enough yeah. sleep, all of that affects us in some type of way, right? 
It does. It really does. And, you know, you, you've got to take all of that into consideration as we try to have a life that, that that's grounded in God. Mm, yes, I yeah. appreciate that. So seeing that we're in this pandemic, mm-hmm. we hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel soon, but we're still in it. A lot of the members of our congregation are still dealing with trauma and grief and loss. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. some of the steps that you have taken within your congregation to support your members in this difficult time? Well, one of the things we do is call people. We, we call and again, I was on. I was um, on uh, last night. I was calling people, and I share that responsibility with my, with the our church staff and with the elders. We've got our directory divided up into groups, and each person on our leadership team is responsible for calling people. And we 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 do that. We also back in November of last year dedicated uh, a memorial stone. So we have a memorial stone outside of our church on the ground and it's dedicated to those that went to their reward during the pandemic. Um, so we, 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 we did that. So we had something of a, a celebration where people after the service was over, we all gathered outside and uh, just took a moment to remember uh, the men and women that we have lost during the pandemic. It's been very, very hard. Uh, one of my dear brothers, dear friends went home to be with Jesus we didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. We, we, we could not go to the hospital to see him. The only people who had access, only kind of clergy who had access to people during the pandemic were chaplains, which is really interesting. And that's a whole nother, whole nother avenue of, of concern. In other words, it highlighted the value of the chaplaincy ministry. So for those who might want to consider as a career choice or, or a ministry option to study to go into chaplaincy in the military or in the hospital, uh, that role opens up a lot of access to people. But a pastor, ordained minister, could not go into the hospitals during the pandemic. So a lot of people we didn't see. We grieve uh, with those. We call, we, we, we shed tears. There was one uh, gentleman, His he lost his wife in the pandemic. Now, she was already sick with cancer. We're in the throes of the pandemic, and they asked, called me and asked me, can I come and pray? And at that point, I have a decision that I have to make. Okay, am I going to go into the house and pray? I'm not saying everybody should do this, but I decided before the Lord that I'm. this is one of my parishioners that God has entrusted to my care. She's dying and doesn't have a lot of time left. So I, I went in. I had my mask on and I prayed for her. There she was on a bed, really thin and emaciated with the children surrounding her and her husband there. I prayed for them, hugged him. We shed tears there. Listen, that was a privilege and an honor for me to be, to participate in that. And um, I see them in church on Sunday. And what happens is uh, pastoral relationships are deeper now because of those things. There, there are others who, who, who died. So we, we've lost a good number of people to complications of COVID and to other circumstances during, during this time. Then there were some we thought we were going to lose. I, I says, one of my dear friends, we didn't think he was going to make it. We heard he had COVID-19. We couldn't get to the hospital to see him, and several members of his family had it. 
and uh, I would I would call this I would call his dear bride, and I would talk to her for a little while, and we would pray, and we would talk, and by the grace of God, he came out of it. He's uh, one of the musicians at the church, and so we so we we've been through some things together, and as a consequence, I think we we have deeper relationships because we have come through this particular crisis together. The word "together" is is so important in what you just sh- shared because yeah. the the pandemic has actually made many of us feel separated, and so we've mm-hmm. had to work and find creative ways to still come together in this time of crisis. Because I would like for you to shed a little bit more light on how important together and community is as it relates to healing uh, from all the trauma and grief that we've experienced. Yeah. So one of the things that we did when the pandemic hit was we had to have an online service. We never had an online service before. We never had a live stream service before. Now, I had been advocating for the live stream service before the pandemic. I had been advocating for it. Uh, we just didn't know how to do it. And I found out in the middle of the pandemic, all you needed was an iPhone and Facebook Live and voila, you could live stream a service. And I thought to myself, is that all? But, you know, of course, that's basic and rudimentary. So we started doing that. So this gave us a connection. It's one of the things that's held the church together, believe it or not, these online, I don't like to call them virtual services because even though we are, we are there uh, through some kind of virtual connection, it really is God's people coming together to worship the Lord through the vehicle of technology. It, however, is no substitute for face-to-face interaction. Uh, when um, the pandemic first hit, I was in the classroom. I'm a dean of the seminary, but I taught at the seminary for, for at Moody for 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 close to for to, to 20 years. So I was, I, I was in the classroom, and when when the pandemic hit, and the student because we had to go remote uh, in two weeks, and uh, so we we're in the Zoom class, and the student asked me and says to me, Doctor Neal, do you think that the online church or the virtual church will ever replace the in-person church. I said, absolutely not. I don't think it ever will. There's no substitute for the in-person face-to-face connection with other people. We need other people to grow, to to develop. The Lord never intended for us to, uh, to grow in isolation. This is why fellow ship is, is so important. I mean, we are fellows, both men and women, in the same ship of eternal life and relationship with God that we share in common. And we need one another to grow and to develop and to experience healing. Sometimes just a appropriate holy touch from someone can bring healing to a person, see, just to touch. And and sometimes it's just just showing up. Doesn't necessarily mean we have to say a lot. We just show up, shed tears, and keep quiet sometimes. And great, great healing can come out of those things. You think about this, when Job was going through all of his problems, when he was going through all of his all of his struggles, uh, the Bible says that his friends made a covenant to go and see him 
And it says in Job chapter 2, verse 11, now when Job's friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Elphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, Zophar, the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to, note this, sympathize with him and comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept. And each of them tore his robe, and they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. And they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very, very great. So it's this this connection, this in-person thing that Job's friends did that actually can be very healing in a person's life. Show up. They made a, a commitment to come shed tears they cried and shut up they didn't say anything for an entire week in chapter three, three the talking starts and that's when everything goes south that's when everybody gets into trouble for almost 30 chapters right. talking that's uninformed so i said that to say just showing up shedding tears and um you know, and being quiet together with other people is a way to promote healing and it's very necessary. Yeah. We cannot underestimate the ministry of presence. Yeah. Just being there. I, I wrote a blog on grief not too long ago, and that's one of the main things I said, because I think sometimes people are scared to be around someone who's grieving because they're like, I don't know what to say. You know, I, I don't have the right words. But you don't even have to say anything like you you mentioned, just that hand, a touch, yeah. a gentle touch mm-hmm. on their back, shedding yeah. a tear with them. I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm praying with you. Those small things, just being there saying, I see you and I'm not right. afraid to sit with you in your time of suffering says so much. Yeah. Amen. And no, you know, you're right. The, the, the minister of presence is showing up yeah. and the um, and the ministry of tears. And, and the ministry of silence are great ways to uh, be used of God to promote healing in another person's life. Yes, yes. And I agree with you fullheartedly about the fact that virtual is a great tool, but it does not re- replace the in-person. No, that's right. Um, and I, I desire, I, 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 my church is back in person, but I look forward to the time when every congregation can feel safe and open to being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. even get into the place where we're not afraid to to hug and touch each other. It's, it's so awkward now, you know, when you're like, can I hug you? You know, because that's something we're, we're used to doing to show love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, so I, I often got to, so what are we doing here? Is it holy elbows now? Oh. <laughs> Is it a fist bump? Or we're just not doing anything? <laughs> you know, so, you know, trying to figure out the unique modality of each person under consideration because different people feel differently about this. Yeah. Now, now it, it, you know, there are others who have, the, you know, who are fully vaccinated and boosted, have no qualms about anything, but they have people at home with underlying conditions, you see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's influencing how they're. So, yeah, I'll be glad when we get on the other side of all of this. Me too. <laughs> yeah. But 
If before we we wrap up, I would love for you to share any final thoughts or words to parishioner or even a pastor right now who is feeling just overwhelmed with it all, uh, with grief, with the trauma. What you said, Reverend Meeks shared was, I think, a huge blessing. But in addition to that, is there anything else that you would like to share? I would say take your situation to God and be very, very honest with him about it. Be honest with him about it. Again, the lament psalms, for example, teach us how to be honest. I would encourage praying through some of these lament psalms, like Psalm 3, another great lament actually cited by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Psalm 22, interesting. Even uh, the, one of the seven words from the cross is, is scripture, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning, so forth and so on. And the pray through this, and you go through the psalm, and you, and he winds up in victory at, at the end of it all. And I would also encourage a person to, in their prayer life, this is something that I have been doing for the last 40 years, which has been an immense help to me is each day to prayerfully thank God for one of his perfections or one of his attributes. You might thank God and worship him for his omniscience today, his omnipotence tomorrow, his omnipresence the following day, his wisdom the next day, his goodness, righteousness, holiness, sovereignty, so forth and so on. So that, and I encourage uh, ministers and people and uh, just parishioners in general to begin their prayer life every day with thanking God for some aspect of who he is. Now, what will happen is over time, you will grow in your knowledge of God, not your knowledge about him, but your knowledge of God. And that in it of itself will be a profound, stabilizing anchor in your life. I mean, it really, really will. And it was uh, the late E.K. Bailey who, who said in one of his sermons, he, he actually died of cancer when he said that he had to learn to trust the heart of God when he could not trace the hand of God. He didn't know what God was doing in his life, but he learned to trust God's heart. And that comes out of getting to know <clears throat> to know God himself, the triune God himself better. And in these circumstances, this is what the Lord will, is saying to you, will say to you, I'm wise, I'm good, I'm um, faithful, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm life, all of these things. And he's not necessarily explaining to us why we're going through what we're going through, but he's letting us know who and what he is. And it's that which sustains us. So I would I would just simply say, and, and this is no light matter, when it says uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of, not knowledge about, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our 
Lord, and he's he's he, this is he's our Savior. To him be glory, both now and forever, to the day of eternity. Amen. Yeah, this will stabilize you and help you in whatever life throws at you. Amen. Adele, for some of you all who are listening right now, Dr. Neely is whipping through this Bible. You could just hear the sheets turning as he's just going through because he knows the word. He's You're grounded in the word, Dr. Neely. And that's something that that's what we can stand on uh, when we're having yeah. times of despair. Mm -hmm. And I love mm -hmm. what you said when we, we can't you know, see the hand of God, knowing the heart of God, knowing his character, yeah. meditating on that. That's mm -hmm. absolutely something that we can stand on that can get us through difficult times. And so I appreciate you. Thank you for dropping these gems of encouragement of God's love with us today and just sharing your time. You're a very busy man and you made time to to give this important message to God's people. So thank you. And I pray blessings over your ministry and what you're doing at your church. And as you see on the, the website or at the bottom, excuse me, uh, of the this segment here, you can see a banner that says how you can get in touch with Dr. Neely, right? We see uh, that there's Moody the Theological Seminary and your church, right? If people mm -hmm. want to learn that's, more. That's right. Well, thank you, Dawson. I was deeply, deeply honored to be a participant here. And um, only the Lord himself knows just how deeply I needed this. I needed to do this. It's been an honor and a blessing for me to, to share, to participate. And thank you for everything that God is doing in your life. And as they say in the hood, keep on keeping on. <laughs> I will. <laughs> you do the same, Dr. Neely. God bless you. Oh, all right. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye now. Yes, yes. And thank you all for tuning in to today's broadcast. I hope it was a blessing to you just like it was for me. Hopefully this is not your last time tuning in. We're here week after week to encourage you on your healing journey. So please be sure to subscribe. You can follow us on various social medias. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So please subscribe and leave a review and then take it one step further and share with a friend so we can get this message out there to the world. Also, I want to point out that we have a number of different resources available on our website, including an upcoming webinar on caring for the caretaker or caring for the caregiver. Please check that out if you are listening today and you are a pastor or you're a caregiver who is supporting someone during this difficult time. You need care too, just like Dr. Neely mentioned. We want to make sure that you're not putting your mental health, your care off to the side. God needs for you to take care of yourself. Please tune in again next week. We can't wait to see you. We have some great things in store for you as we continue to move forward. So you take care and we'll see you next week. But until then, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon.